thank you. Most gracious God, we thank you for these precious moments. How you encourage our heart and lift our spirit. Even at this time of great anxiety and even fear, you continue to build our faith as we have made the effort to know more about what our faith should be as we study the life of David, of the many examples that you have given us how to overcome fear and other things that will affect our faith. And these blessings and all other blessings we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you so very much. This is the Faith Baptist Church of Quorum, Faith Baptist Church International Ministries, and we are broadcasting from Quorum, New York, and that is in the United States of America, and it is 7.02 on this Thursday afternoon, this Thursday evening right here. And we know that it's a different time frame for many of you, but we, we are happy to have you here. And we're continuing uh, in um, the first book of Samuel, and uh, we should be in chapter 21. We started chapter 21. Uh, last week and I'm uh, just going to go over a couple of things and then we'll keep on moving. Amen. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. So before I begin let me say right away that we have been sharing the uh, many examples of typology between David and Jesus, you know, similar things, um, parallel things, things about David um, that um, foreshadowed uh, Jesus to come. It's very helpful when you look at these um, typologies uh, to get a better understanding of several things, including, and not the least, prophecy, because some of the typologies in themselves are prophetic. But I also mentioned, I know I did last week, about anti typology and there are things about the life of David that don't really resemble that of Jesus uh, in a positive way so to speak. It is the very opposite of what Jesus was and that again uh, those anti Typologies are very important because it teaches, they teach us what we should not do and how we should not do. 
for instance, as we begin and refresh a little bit, uh, chapter 21, when David ran to the town of Nob, and um, I want to say right off the bat, because we, I preached recently on uh, some um, relation between Bethlehem and the Ark of the Covenant, and many scholars believe that at this time, when David ran to Nob, um, that town, that that's where the Ark was being kept. And they gathered that by by the showbread and the um, the, uh, the bread of the presence that is mentioned in, in, in the segment. So those things more than likely uh, show us that, that the Ark of the Covenant was there. Now, when I preach about the Ark of the Covenant, David bringing it home, uh, I talk about how emotional David got because, you know, it was the era in which he was born. And here again, there's uh, many other connections that he had to um, the Ark of the Covenant, bringing it back to the city of David. Now, um, what I was saying about anti-type is that David, you know, he, he lied to Ahimelech, uh, and um, you know, we can make many excuses for lying. We can make excuses for David there. Um, but that's anti-typical of Jesus. Jesus didn't lie. He didn't sin. But the lesson that this teaches us, for instance, in this particular case, when David lied, is that we're going to see later on in chapter 22 or so that David deception all um, usually come back to bite him. Uh, he usually pays some consequence for his lying. So even though maybe because Ahimelech was the brother of one of Saul's uh, spiritual advisors, um, maybe David didn't trust. He didn't trust Ahimelech. So that's why he told the fib, quite a bit of story there, that he was there on the king's business. It was a private matter. Uh, you know, something to do with the king and my man. It's a kind of a secret mission, but we are hungry. And of course, last week, uh, they were given five loaves of bread. And, uh, you know, well, they, he asked, is there anything to eat? Give me five loaves. Well, it was given bread to eat. Um, most time there was 12 uh, loaves of bread there uh, and they, at, at the altar because each bread represents the tribe of Israel. Those um, 
practices change from time to time. So, um, but generally speaking, you'll have that. Then you'll, that sometimes you would have a special bread and uh, that comes down to our practice of communion even today. And that, um, that uh, no one would ever eat that and, and things like that. So, uh, Ahimelech, um, having been satisfied with, uh, we think to some extent with David excuse a lie, did allow them to eat. He said that his men were kept uh, from women because he, they were always ready to fight. But you know, David, uh, a lot of times also when he lied, uh, he wasn't really a great liar, uh, so to speak, because uh, in verse 7, it talks about Doeg, the Edomite, uh, Saul's chief herdsman. He was there that day. That's another reason why David was probably suspicious of his surrounding. But then when David um, later on asked for weapons, um, uh, you know, and um, Ahimelech said, well, I, you know, the weapon that I have is the sword of Goliath. Verse number nine, 1 Samuel 21, of course. It's a sword of Goliath, which is very interesting for several reasons. That sword, you know, even at this time, was would be at the time when David slew Goliath would have been very heavy, and even though he he slew him with the sword also, um, and uh, wasn't very suitable. But the significance here keep tying us back to David uh, and Goliath and Saul and the victories that God gave David. But uh, it wasn't so much of a good story that he told because uh, if he had enough time to make sure that his man the guys that were with him, uh, and scholars generally conclude, not really soldiers, but kind of riffraffs out there, uh, you know, to have them be purified for battle, he would have, they would have had enough time to gather the weapons. So, you know, um, yeah, Scholars believe that Ahimelech probably picked up on that. But anyhow, um, the whole thing is that David was not really comfortable in that place to begin with. Uh, so he got the bread, he got um, Goliath's uh, sword, but then he had to leave or he left. Uh, and you know it's it's is really out there as a figurative can't really trust people 
they are connected to soul in some way. Uh, Doheg, the Edomite, uh, Ahimelech himself. So now he goes over to the Philistine um, territory, their land. King Akish of Gath. Now another interesting connection here. I made the um, I was I was speaking about the sword of Goliath in verse nine. In verse ten, Gath, Ish uh, was the hometown of Goliath. Um, uh, you know. Um, and so uh, here he's gone now to the king of Gath. Uh, but um, the officers over there uh, weren't happy about him being there. And, uh, you know, they said in verse 10, Isn't this David the king of the land? They asked. Is neither one that people honored with dancing and singing? Why is why is he over here? And David heard these comments, and he became very afraid of the king of Achish of Gath, king Achish of Gath, and he feared that. He may be armed there. So here now is an instant when David's not using faith, he's been lying, he go over to the enemy, uh, there's some speculation maybe he, he thought maybe he could uh, sell himself out as a mercenary to fight against uh, Saul. I'm not quite certain about that. I, I really think that David really didn't want to kill Saul, but that's a speculation. But the fact is that he's over in the enemy's uh, territory, big time. And um, and he realized that it wasn't safe. There was plotting behind his back. So he pretended to be mad, a mad person scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Some scholars believe that um, uh, even though King Akish said to his men, must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? Uh, some people believe that uh, King Akish really didn't really think that David was mad, but David pretended to be so, of course, and they just believed that the king just used that as an excuse to get rid of David. Amen. So, you know, uh, <coughs> yeah, David. Okay, he's running away, he's a fugitive, he's being deceptive by telling lies, and he's being deceptive by playing that he was mentally ill. Probably not fooling everybody, 
definitely the men that were with him knew what he was doing and knew why he was doing it, but not really acting in faith the way he was before, the way he was when he defeated Goliath, the way he was when he escaped the many plots that Saul had, uh, had um, you know, fomented, uh, fomented against him to try to kill him. He's out there, he's alone, he becomes afraid, his faith is diminished, and as you will see later on, because of his lack of faith and his not being honest, uh, he would pay some consequences for it. The lesson to us, of course, is that no matter what is going on, no matter how bad it gets, we have to believe in God is deliverance power. If he delivered us from Goliath and from the many traps that Saul set for uh, us, then he will deliver us when we're out there feeling like a fugitive. So that lesson tonight is mainly what we should do and how we should not behave when everything seemed to be bearing down on us and the pressure becomes very heavy. So, as we continue to go through uh, the life of David, and next week we'll be uh, in chapter 22. Uh, the week after that, we will um, break on that Christmas week, a week after Christmas, and we won't return until the Thursday after New Year. So we'll take a little bre a break. But next week we'll speak about some things that uh, will be positive and helpful that will take us through the New Year. But in the meantime, let us keep the faith and let us be honest before God trust him and never resort to anything that is unbecoming of us before God. God is faithful and he is reliable and the things seem to get worse, get real bad, even after he has delivered us out of many things, out of many uh, tough situation. He is still with us. He is still guiding us. He is still teaching us. He is still making a way for us. David is still anointed by God. He is still a man after God's own heart, even though he is out there as a fugitive and is destitute. How far will God take us? 
He would take us through valleys. He would take us over mountains. He would take us to the thick and the thin, as we say, because he has crowns laid up for us and great favors to shower on us. I really want to give people opportunity to ask questions, and that's why we don't take up you know the whole forty-five minutes or 